joy to be with you all tonight, and what a wonderful start to your missions conference, and I pray that the Lord will bless it over the next couple days, and that God will work in your hearts, and uh, I am down one child tonight. My oldest son stayed back at an ends conference that we were at, so it's just uh, my wife and the four kids, but we're glad to be with you all tonight, and I do want to share a little bit with you about the Grenada Bible Project. Back in the year 2020, around missions conference, we would always uh, encourage our folks to get involved and uh, to uh, adopt a missionary for the year to communicate with. And so one of our widow ladies, a dear widow lady in our church, had uh, begun to communicate with a missionary by the name of Tom Patterson. And she calls me up one day and she says, Pastor, you've got to call him, you've got to hear what's going on. And uh, I get a lot of those, those type of um, things, you've got to do this, or you, you understand. And so I, I, I was a little bit hesitant, but I, I called him up and he began to share with me what God was doing in uh, the island nation of Grenada. Back in 1980, we began to support uh, this man, uh, Tom Patterson, and uh, he was going to the island of Grenada. He went there and was there for about four years, and then uh, they had a son who was born with Down syndromes, and they had to come back to the States. And so uh, over the years, they began to work, and uh, perhaps some of you know him uh, um, with the Fellowship Track League. So uh, Brother Patterson faithfully served the Lord in that, he was taking a trip down there somewhere around 2019 uh, and uh, meeting up with some of the folks that he had won to the Lord, the, the, the pastors that were down there catching up with them, and, and uh, he would tell them, listen, I can get you tracks, I can get you tracks, uh, uh, I'll ship down as many tracks as you want, and the pastors weren't that, that excited about it, and he was a little bit, uh, not annoyed, but a little put off by it, and he grabs one of the pastors, one of his closer pastor friends down there in the island of Grenada, he says, uh, what's up? Why aren't you guys interested in tracts? They said, Pastor, we don't need tracts. We need Bibles. The only bookstore on the island is a Catholic bookstore. They only sell Catholic Bibles. We don't have Bibles. When we say, turn in your Bibles, our people don't have Bibles. They're very expensive down here. And it's really kind of surprising that that would be the case in an island like that where there's medical school down there. It's, it's a great place to live and, and, and to be, but they didn't have much in the way of Bibles. So he goes back and begins to wrestle with the Lord about this, and, uh, and the Lord just makes it clear, you're going to do a Bible um, project, not just a little bit, but for the whole island of Grenada. And so as he submitted to the Lord in that, the Lord began to open up the doors, and uh, soon after that is when we had a conversation and began to talk to him, and I, I said, brother, I, this is wonderful, it sounds like God has um, made you for this moment, and the Lord began to pull things together, we came together and we worked on a video website and all that type of stuff, and began to just pray that God would open up this door, raise the money that was needed to send whole King James Bibles down to the island of, of Grenada. And wouldn't you know it, over the next, uh, next year's time, this man who had never done a fundraising project on this level, this man was able to see the Lord through him uh, raise uh, around $500,000, a half a million dollars, to send Bibles down to the island of Grenada. Big, uh, a big picture to the, what was going on, on the island, it wasn't just the pastors that wanted it, the government wanted it. There were people in the government, and there's not enough time to really share the, on the whole story, but there were people in the government that were saved in some of the churches that were started and discipled in some of the churches 30 years previous, and they wanted these Bibles, and they wanted them to be King James Bibles. They wanted, they wanted to make sure they were the right Bible coming onto their island, and they were going to do whatever they needed to uh, do to get them there. And so God opened up a huge door for Brother Patterson. The money was being raised very, very rapidly, 
2022, the printing began to happen. Delays happened because of uh, different things. Obviously, COVID was a, a big delay uh, to the project going along. But God was, uh, God was doing it. And in the midst of it, even a government change, a new government came in, and God worked through that. There were overages, and God raised the money through that. And it was really exciting in uh, early 2023 to be able to go down there. We began, right as soon as we got involved in the project, to say to the church, wouldn't it be great if we could just go down to the island? And so we began to pray about it as a church. And uh, by the way, it's just uh, a little bit north of Venezuela, about 400 miles north of Venezuela. Beautiful island. It's hard not to smile in Grenada. Everywhere you look, there's, there's, there's water, and it's beautiful. It's a beautiful island. But uh, we went down there. There's Brother Patterson. When he's presenting, he came to Grace to present uh, the first Bible, one of the first uh, run editions of the, the Bible. It's a beautiful Bible that was done with our logo in the front. There's 16 pages, um, uh, eight in the front, eight in the back, and our folks got to be a part of that. One of a, a retired missionary in our church got to write the intro to the Bible and doctrinal pages in the back and gospel pages. There's a QR code that leads to the GrenadaBibleProject.com, which has now been switched over to um, push people towards those uh, Baptist churches there on the island. And so it's just a really wonderful thing that the Lord allowed. But we began to pray the Lord would allow us to go down there, and he did. We were able to bring a group from our church down there. We held a crusade uh, along with uh, others uh, and the, uh, the national pastors in St. George, the, 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 capital, the capital parish, and uh, it was really wonderful. This is the group from our church. A highlight for me is uh, we began to pray and ask the Lord, would he allow me to bring uh, my three older children down? And God provided that that way. And uh, I will cherish that. They got to be a part of that ministry. And we, uh, we did a lot of work down there. Uh, our church folks did, along with others that had gathered for the crusade early 2023 and uh, preparing the Bibles there in the warehouse. Um, they had to be unboxed and prepared to be delivered. One of the coolest things about this is that these Bibles aren't just being uh, necessarily distributed on the streets. They are. But the government wanted them to be distributed to all the school children in the, in the nation. So what, it, what, what is amazing is to be able to go into a public school, the headmaster, call the kids together at the, um, on the early part of the day, sing uh, some Christian songs together, and then allow one of the preachers to preach the gospel, and then as the kids are leaving, to give them all a Bible. It's amazing. And we got to be a part of that, and it was really, really wonderful, um, and it's so thankful. Here's, here's uh, the, one of the schools that we got to be a part of, and Pastor uh, Dennis Celestine preaching to them, and you should hear those kids sing. What a blessing to see them get their, um, their first Bible and to see them out in the court, on courtyard beginning to read it. So amazing what God was doing down there, and uh, we're very, very grateful for what the Lord has allowed us to be a part of. If you would pray, they're, they're planning another a crusade here in January. They always have a New Year's conference, and by crusade, it's just a gospel outreach um, that, uh, that the, all the churches come together to put on. Pray that God will continue to work. 35,000 of the 80,000 Bibles that are on the island have been distributed, and uh, to date, uh, in the schools, in the government um, facilities where uh, the Bibles have been distributed, uh, to date, there's about 800 people that have come to Christ through this project. And we're so very grateful for what God is doing. It's really amazing to me how God has used the national pastors that are there. And I'm grateful to see that it's continuing on. In September, we got some bad news. Uh, Brother Patterson was, uh, was traveling, had a heart attack, and he, he went downhill very, very quick. I attended his funeral in September, 
And um, it's very, very difficult to see that happen, but I can't get away from the fact that this man, by faith, followed the Lord, did what he was supposed to do, and then he got welcomed home. And the project continues on because it wasn't something about him, it was about the Word of God. And, uh, and the national pastors were part of it. I got the text with one of the nationals today. I've had two of the nationals in our church. And they're such, they're such a blessing to get to know. If you ever uh, have an itch to go down to Grenada, it'd be a great thing to see. And uh, we're just very, very grateful for what the Lord has allowed to happen there. And I'm grateful for f- some of our members being able to be a part of that. It uh, really helped our church. I, I know it's on your, your heart to, to be a part of missions. It really helped our church to be present on the mission field. And we look forward to doing that again. And uh, we ask that the Lord would help us. There's my children with Brother Patterson. I'll treasure that picture. We took that picture of him overlooking the island. And he had such a burden for that island. God used him, though he took him away for a time. God used him to untouch this island in a very special way. And uh, the verse he chose for this project was, The entrance of thy word giveth light. It gives understanding unto the simple, Psalm 119, 130. And it truly does. It brings light, and it's bringing light right now to an island nation that become dark by a lack of God's word. And what you've done right here is, is such a tremendous thing. God's going to use these portions of Scripture to touch hearts. And it is seed. It's exactly seed. And it will bear fruit. It will not return void, and we're thankful for that. I want you to turn to 1 Thessalonians, and let's look at the power of the word of God. Let's look at the power of the Word of God tonight. been studying through in our own church in 1 Thessalonians, and I want to visit it with you tonight in this, uh, in this uh, kickoff to your missions conference. Just encourage you about the matter that the Word of God that you hold in your hands and that you prepared is very, very powerful. It's a wonderful thing. You don't have to make it powerful. You don't have to, you don't have to add to it. You don't have to do something special. You just simply have to deliver it, and we're very grateful for the power of the Word of God. Would you stand with me? Let's read some verses of Scripture here tonight. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse number 1. Are you there? I have to get our church to talk back to me, all right? Help me out here tonight. Are you there? All right, you're alive. And so 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1 and verse number 1, Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus, unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God, the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ, Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and our Father, knowing, brethren, beloved. Notice that tender, tender call out to them. Brethren, beloved, your election of God. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that you were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia, for from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God word is spread abroad, so that we have not need, uh, need not to speak anything. 
For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the, uh, to, uh, to serve the living and true God, and to wait from he- um, for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath of God. God's people said, Amen. Let's be seated and I'll pray. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your word. And thank you for this opportunity to gather around it. May it have power in our lives. Lord, may we believe its power as we prepare it, as we give it, as we share it with our neighbors, our friends. And Lord, may we believe it's still powerful even in this very sin-darkened age in which we live. Lord, the news is very, is very dreadful but your word is still powerful as it was the day that you gave it. And so we're grateful for that, and we pray that you'd work in our hearts in a special way tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So Thessalonica was a a church plant that Paul planted on his second missionary journey as he traveled through in the area of Macedonia. Do you remember the Macedonian call? That he was not to go over into to Asia, but he was to go over into Macedonia and he was to preach the gospel. Something very interesting to me is along the way on this, on this journey, he had picked up Timothy and he added him as a young man to his team. He was mentoring and helping him along. So Timothy got to be a part of seeing Thessalonica um, planted along with Sylvanius, as it's mentioned here, or Silas here in, uh, in, in 1 Thessalonians. But they, uh, they arrive there, and I, I find it very interesting, as they arrive into the area of Macedonia, they go to Philippi, and they, uh, they preach the gospel there, and they're persecuted, and, and, and so Paul goes on his way, he's, he's put in jail there, but he, and there's a church that's planted there, but they go on their way, and Paul skips past a, a few smaller towns, and he comes to Thessalonica, this, this capital city, this major city, in Macedonia. It's very interesting to me that when God said, hey, go to Macedonia and put that in Paul's heart, that he didn't just go uh, anywhere in Macedonia. He went right to the heart of Macedonia and he said, I'm going to preach the gospel there. The Bible tells us that he was there three Sabbath days, not very long, but he did a lot in those days just delivering the word faithfully to the Thessalonians. It wasn't a great city in in its purity or in, in its godliness. No, quite to the contrary. The Bible says in Verse number nine, that they were given over to idolatry. There was sensuality, all sorts of immorality going on in that city. It was a very, very wicked city, but it was there that Paul preached in this key city at the, at the, at the, the, uh, the, the, crossroads of some major trade routes, a uh, uh, key city in, in, in political ways. It was, a, it was an influential uh, city. It was a, uh, a place where people came to trade and do business. So there were businessmen coming in and out. Yes, it was all those things and very wicked, but Paul um, on the word of God and preached it there in that city, and it had a great effect. A great effect. And I want us to look tonight at some of the power that he mentions here as he's just reiterating with these. Now, to set the context a little bit more, do remember Paul has preached the gospel there and he's run out of town again. He has to leave by night and he's brought over to Berea and some believers bring him on the way. And the, the, the persecutors of the, of the believers were so upset that when they couldn't find Paul, they dragged this man Jason out of his house and, 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 and said, hey, you've been associated with them. And they, they pointed their persecution at, at Jason. And, and so the early believers there in Thessalonica 
were already experiencing in the early days of their Christianity what it meant to pay a cost, a price, for following after God and for believing the gospel and for being bold for Jesus Christ. So Paul's off the scene and he's going on his way and he's heading down, uh, down towards Achaia and towards Athens and Corinth and, and, and he begins to hear reports back because he left some of his comrades up there, Timothy and so on. He begins to hear reports back, hey, these folks need some encouragement in the midst of their persecution. They need some perspective in the midst of their persecution. They're, they're suffering, they're young. I don't want the tempter to get in the mix and begin to to cause them to doubt if they've done the right thing, if they're on the right track. So I'm going to send back this letter and encourage them. And what he encourages them with is the fact that, hey, do you remember when we came? Do you remember when you received Christ? Do you remember how you received the word of God, how powerful it was in your life? Do you remember that? And he reminds them of that. By the way, when you and I are going through difficult times, it's good to remember back to the day that we got saved and what God began to do in our lives and how he's changed us, right? It's good to remember back to what God has done in our lives, how far we have come. And so he reminds them about what God had done in their lives. In verses 4 through 7, let's focus there first of all. Notice how that these these pagan individuals, they didn't have like we have uh, as a country, a foundation of, uh, of Judeo-Christian values. They didn't have that in, that, in, the, in Thessalonica. It was a wicked city. They didn't have a, a baseline understanding of who God is. They worshiped many gods. And they worshiped many gods from many different places. So they didn't have this, this wonderful foundation that so many of you grew up with here in America. But here it was, Paul came in and he began to simply, on on three Sabbath days, over the course of three weeks, began to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, began to deliver the word, and I want us to realize when they heard it, the word was received. That's a big deal. The word was received. It was received, it was accepted. It It was trusted. It was believed and it was rested and it was received, but it could not be received until it was first declared by Paul, Silas, and Timotheus there in that city. And I'm reminded that even today, we must declare the word of God. Look at verse number five. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance as you know what manner of men we were among you. Do you remember back to the day that, that we came into the city and we were strangers? You'd never met us before. We were um, from, um, from a, a place far away and we came in and we, we began to declare the word to you. Do you remember that day? And he's beginning to assure them, give them perspective by remember, uh, causing them to remember what they had first heard when Paul and his comrades came to town. Their declaration was spoken through the word. You know, sometimes people begin to to lean well it's all just about i'll live a lifestyle i'll live a christian lifestyle and for my co-workers but i'll not speak a word to them no paul obeyed the great commission that jesus christ left to us help me out go ye into all the world and what is it go ye into all the world and preach the gospel preach the gospel. It means we have to put words behind it. Notice he says it wasn't just in word, but it was in word. It was in word. They, they, they opened up their mouths and on those, uh, over those three Sabbath days, they, they declared the word. They preached the word. They gave the word. It was not in word only. Notice it says it was in the power of the Holy Spirit. We spoke it with the Spirit's enablement. 
Oh, how important it is for you and I to speak the word of God with the Spirit's enablement. Why? Because if we don't, we're going to mess it up. Have you ever messed it up, said the wrong thing? Said in the wrong way? We need the Spirit's enablement. And Paul rested upon the Spirit's enablement. He said with much assurance, not a little assurance, with much assurance. What's he saying? With much confidence. We didn't come into town presenting another way to view life. Another idea, another theory out there. We came into town and we declared the word of God to you as it is in truth, the very word of God. The very word of God. Do you realize tonight, hold up your Bibles. Do you realize tonight that you have the very words of God? This isn't on par with the Quran. This isn't on par with other holy books, Joseph Smith's book, the Book of Mormons, or, or any other holy book that is out there. This isn't another way, just a, another way of many to view life. This is the very word of God. And if we really believe that, do you realize that we will speak it at work, we'll speak it in our homes, we'll speak it in our own churches with authority and with confidence. Not because of us, but because this is the word of God. You know, it's amazing when kids are told by dad to go get the rest of the kids or to give them an instruction, they can say things, but it makes a big difference when they say, dad said, dad said, this is, this is God's word and we have the ability to go to this world, not in our own authority, our own confidence. It doesn't often work out when a little brother tells a big brother, hey, this is what you ought to do. It doesn't work out. Not, not very well. I have, I have living proof. I get to see it played out in our home. But it does work out when it said, Dad said. God's word. God said. We can say it with confidence. We can say it with authority. And Paul said, we came to you in complete confidence as we preach the gospel to you. We're not worried about it. We preach it in complete confidence. And he said, we also lived a life that backed it up. You knew what manner of people we were among you. You saw us live it out in our lives. You saw us have humility as we came into town. You saw us act on with, uh, towards you with grace and with kindness. You watched our lives. We, you, were, you were scrutinizing our life. You saw us live out Christianity or Christ's life in front of you. And so Paul said, we declared the word to you. Oh, the word can't be received until it's declared. You know, missions conference is a time of having a business meeting with God. What are we going to do with the gospel that we've been entrusted with? Friends, we're not, we're not, we're not holding a gospel that's not powerful. It's powerful. It works every time we use it. Every time. And the gospel was powerful in Thessalonica, just like it's powerful in, in Danville, Indiana, Indianapolis, Kettering, Ohio. It's powerful. And we must believe in its power. And we must live it out. Paul declared it. And everywhere Paul went, do you notice, Paul, the gospel worked everywhere. It was either received or rejected. And both are an evidence that the gospel, that the word of God is powerful and works. And it was indeed rejected by many in Thessalonica, but praise God, it was received. Romans 10, 14 says, How shall they call on him in whom they've not believed, and how shall they believe in him of whom they've not heard, and how shall they hear without a preacher? Paul was that preacher in Thessalonica. You're that preacher. You're that entrusted ambassador in your workplace. 
God didn't put you in that neighborhood by accident. Yeah, that guy that allows all the leaves to blow into your yard and doesn't do anything about it, God didn't put you next to him by accident. God puts you there on purpose. You're the one that is to take the most powerful word in all the universe and deliver it there according to the Holy Spirit, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's timing. It's powerful. You know, I think we look around, we just came through something pretty, pretty devastating. Ohio just voted this past Tuesday to allow abortion all nine months. It, it, it's a travesty. We also just legalized weed, recreational weed. So, welcome to Ohio. It's going to stink a little bit. It, it's, it's just not going to be as pleasant. You think about how dark our world is. I cannot imagine. Well, we, well, we look on the news and we see all the, the, the wickedness of Hamas and all that they've done. Yet, to have a state say, you know what, we're okay in abortion clinics across our state, we're okay to have babies dismembered. How tragic. How hypocritical to look across the ocean and say something's wrong with them, and it is wrong. But yet, we allow this type of stuff to happen in, in, in uh, sterilized environments. How wrong. So here we are, in this very sin-darkened day, no matter where you go, and we begin to think, well, is the Word of God still powerful today? You know, can it work? You know, it's interesting, LifeWay Research did a, did a study about half of unchurched Americans said they would freely discuss with someone if they wanted to talk about their, their religious beliefs. They would freely discuss that. 47% said, I, I would talk to somebody. If they wanted to talk about their religious beliefs, I would talk about it. That same study went on to say that 3 in 10 unchurched Americans, 29%, say a Christian has ever shared with them, one-on-one, how they could have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Three in ten said, I've had a Christian do that. Twenty-nine percent said, I've had a Christian share with me how to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The reality is, we don't declare it enough. How many of you with me? I don't declare it enough. Why? I don't think... Many times we really believe that the Word of God is as powerful as God says that it is. But we have a, we have a case study right here in Thessalonica, a pagan city that doesn't have, a, doesn't have a foundation about God. Paul comes in and declares it, and what happens? I want us to realize and go on, verses 6 through 7. They were transformed. They were changed. Something happened in their hearts as they began to listen to the Word of God. Something's different about the Word that's coming out of Paul's lips. Something, this isn't the same as that orator I heard down at the city theater. Something's different about this. Something's unique about this. Something touches deep within my heart about this. They began to be transformed. Look at verse 6. And ye became followers. Ye became followers of us and of the Lord Notice, having received the word in much affliction. Why did they become followers? Because they received the word. They believed it. 
They trusted it. They received it as the very words of God. They received it as authoritative and binding on their lives. Wow, what a change that was about to come to their lives as they received the word, they, as they believed it wholeheartedly. Look at 1 Thessalonians 2 and verse 13. For this cause also, chapter 2 and verse 13, thank we God without ceasing. Because when you received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men. But as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh in you, also in you that believe. You received it as the very word of God. You know, it's a pretty amazing thing when someone takes the word of God at face value. When they just believe it, well, God said it, that's what it says. I'm going to apply that into my life, I'm going to do it. It's amazing what happens. And that's what happened with the Thessalonians. They began to do it, and so much so, the Bible says you became followers, you became imitators of the preachers. Okay, that, that's okay, but it goes on very quickly to say, and of the Lord. You started following the spiritual leaders that you could see with your eyes and you, you began to imitate the Lord Jesus Christ himself. You began to put into practice the Christ life. You began to follow after Christ in your living. We have a lot of Christians that imitate a lot of different people. But the reality is these folks allowed the word of God to be received into their hearts and they began to imitate spiritual leaders, church leaders, and also began to imitate, follow after the Lord. We need to be like that. So in love with the word that we imitate, follow after those who love and preach the word and the word himself. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Oh, for hearts to follow after the Lord in that way. 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 18, but we all with open face Beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of God. What is that? You and I getting into our, our Bible, seeing Jesus Christ in here, saying, I want to I look like that. I want to have the kindness. I want to have the compassion of Jesus when he must needs go through Samaria to visit with a, with a woman that no one else wanted to talk to. I have to go through Samaria to talk to her. I, I, have to, I have to give my time for that individual. I'm willing to be inconvenienced in order to share the word. And so here we have it. We have the word of God changing them, but not only were they following and imitating Paul and Amotheus and Silvanus and the Lord, but it says here that they became a model they became a model to all the surrounding believers. They were so changed, radically changed by the word, that they began to, to be a model to others. It says there, so that they were in samples to all that believe. They were an example. Their lives were exemplary. We need churches full of these type of individuals that live the word of God. They're so changed by the word of God that they're an example to the new believers walking in. That they're the, an example to the believers out in town that, that know them. They're an example. They were, they were being changed in this way. Let me ask you tonight, what is the word of God transforming in your life? It transformed their life. Has, has, 
Do you have a story in the last month where the word of God has, has, has shown you something, God's word is, has been made clear to you in some area, and you said, I'm, I'm going to change this area of my life. And there's a transforming that's happening in your life presently. Do you have a story? Do you have something that God's doing in your heart? Well, for the Thessalonican believers, yeah, they were being changed. It was changing them. It was changing their, their interactions with others. But let's move on. It didn't just change them. Here's what's really exciting about it. In the missions, missions conference, this is how, how it should excite you. They received the word of God. But the Bible says they reverberated the word of God out from them. They, they took the word of God and echoed it out. They shouted it out. Look at verse number eight. For from you sounded out the word of God, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in, also in every place your faith that God word is spread abroad. The word sounded out there is the idea to circulate, to, to ring out. So they received the word, but it was so good and it was so transformational in their lives that they in turn gave it out. Everywhere they went, they began to reverberate the very words of God. It was an unmistakable proclamation. They're like the early church in Acts chapter 8. They went everywhere preaching the word. And it was amazing because God had positioned them on such a key place in, 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 in geography, a, 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 key, a key trade route, that it enabled the Word of God to spread very, very quickly through these lives of um, transformed believers. It's amazing what God was doing. We're public about a lot of things. But the, the believers there in Thessalonica went public with the Word of God. They reverberated out. out. They, they published it wherever they could. They were public in their testimony. We can be public about essential oils or, or some, some store that we go to or some brand of coffee. Some people get really public and we call it TMI. Right? You shouldn't have said that publicly. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? We need to be public with the Word of God. We need to be public with what God is doing in our hearts. Instead of going into work on Monday just talking about uh, you know, how short the weekend was, let's talk about what God gave us over the weekend. Let's talk about the, what God taught us through the Word. Uh, any morning that we go and wake up and are in the Word and the Word's changing us, what a blessing it would be to be able to share that with our families and also with our co-workers. This is what God is giving to me. Be public with it. They were. They sounded it out. It went everywhere. But here's, what, here's what's really amazing. And right along with your, your theme for this, this, this missions conference, they, they weren't just public with it. They were able to become partners with the, the Lord and with these missionaries, Paul, Timotheus, and Sylvanius. Notice in verse number 8, so that we have not need to speak anything. Now, Paul has been run out of town. He's on his way to the next place to preach the gospel. He's sending Timothy up and, and saying, hey, check on their faith and make sure they're doing okay. I'm really burdened about them and we're praying for them. Bring this letter back to them. And he's, he's concerned about them, but he's out of town. The Bible says here, they were so public with the word of God that Paul said, we didn't have to, we didn't have to go to the next towns over from you because you had already accomplished the work. You became partners with us. Remember, this church probably wasn't much more than a year old. And they were public with the word of God and partnering with the apostle. That's amazing. 
You know, when we believe that the Word of God is powerful, we let it transform our lives by receiving it, and we let it reverberate from our lives by going public with it. It's amazing how quickly we'll find ourselves partnering with God and with the servants of God in the gospel work in the Great Commission. We need to, we need to put a priority on that. We need to make that our focus, and I encourage you to do so. I want to finish with sharing a little bit of a testimony. A couple of Easter's ago, a young man my age, young man, walked into our church, and uh, I understood that he was not a believer. He was connected with one of the members in our church. He's a fiancé, and, and so uh, I, I scheduled some coffee with him, and I, I quickly found out that he was a brilliant, a brilliant individual. He was a scientist, and uh, I, I found out that he was very skeptical about God, about the Bible, about church. In fact, he hadn't been in church in a very, very long time. Um, we really began to enjoy each other's company. We uh, set up uh, uh, lunch times to, to spend some time together. He even did some golf together. He taught me how to golf, and uh, a little bit. And uh, my heart was that this man would, uh, would turn to Jesus Christ. But I had gotten to the point after our first time together, I, I just told him, I said, listen, if you have any questions, just ask. I, I, I will do my best to answer. But I, I was quite honestly a little bit intimidated. He was very, very smart, and I didn't know how to, how to break through that. So I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I want to see this man saved, but I, I don't know how to do it. You're going to have to do it, but just tell me what to do. So we continued to fellowship with him and, uh, or connect with him and continue just to answer the questions that he had. We'd, we'd talk about things, but in our first time going out golfing, I, I challenged him. I said, I, said I, want, I want to challenge you. Have you read the Bible before? No. I want to challenge you to read the book of John. It's a common thing to do, to challenge an unbeliever to read the book of John. Well, I didn't know where that went, and so uh, he, had, he kept coming to church a little bit, and he would even come on Wednesday nights sometimes, and he'd pray with some of the men, and he, he felt at home, and, and, and God, uh, God was obviously working in his heart. But uh, he sent me a text one day, and he says, uh, it included the verse from the end of, the, of John where Jesus told uh, Thomas, hey, blessed are those that, that don't see and yet believe. You know, you've believed because you've seen, blessed are those that don't see and yet believe. I said, well, what does this mean to you? And he says, I, Pastor, I, I can't wait to get together and share. The, the, the book of John was truly amazing. I can't wait to get together to share it. So we, we got, uh, went golfing again, and then afterwards sat down to, to eat. And I said, you've got to tell me, what is going on in your, in your life? What did that text mean? And he says, Pastor, you just, you, it, the book of John was truly amazing. And he recounted from the, on the, the, the start of John all the way to end how God had began to work in his heart. And he come to John 129 where John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. He says, I read that verse and if a man who had never met Jesus recognized him as the Son of God, then he was worth believing and he put his faith in Jesus Christ. And uh, I hope you get to meet him someday. He's become a dear friend. I said, so... Uh, so you've trusted in Jesus Christ as the, as the answer to your sin, as the, the one who can alone forgive your sins. He goes, absolutely. Amen. So we were on a men's uh, camp out last October. We are at a lake. It's October. He goes, Pastor, we got men here. 
Would it be okay if I got baptized here? Never done a, a lake baptism in October. It was cold. I said, I don't see why not. So I got to baptize them. I cannot tell you the transformation that has come to this man's life in the last year. I'll tell you how much it is. I went on vacation a couple weeks ago, and I asked that man to fill in for me on a Wednesday night. Not recklessly, but because he has so devoured the word and so been changed by the word, I listened to that message while we were away, and I thought, that is so good. I was edified by listening to this year, year and a half old Christian in the Lord. He's teaching. He'll be teaching tomorrow in our, our growth group. He started helping me out with, uh, with uh, administrative things. Uh, the Lord has gifted him in that way. He has, become, he has become a close friend in the Lord. But do you know what it goes back to? This. I had no power. I'm telling you, when I told the Lord, I don't know how to get through to this man, I meant that from the depths of my being. I had no hope of winning with the Lord. The Word did. The Word did. And I didn't, have to, I didn't have to craft it in any certain way. I just had to be present and share it. You know that's the same, the same thing for you and I? That gives us a lot of hope. If this is the power, then all we have to do is deliver it. All we have to do is give it. Look, something's going to happen from these. And you had a part in that. And this won't be the last time. I'm, I'm sure you'll have a part in it. But friends, it's one thing to put them in a box. You have neighbors that need the word. You have family members that need the word. You say, I've tried before. Go believing that it is powerful, that God's word will work when we share it. Don't trust in your own strength. Don't put your own words in it. Just give the word and allow the word to do the work. What an amazing thing the word is. Verse of scripture and we'll close. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse number 19. To wit, brethren, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling, reconciling the world unto himself. This was his plan. Not imputing, not accounting their trespasses unto them and hath committed unto us the word, the word of reconciliation. He's entrusted it to us. You might know it, and if you do, say it with me. Verse number 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. What has God given to you and I that have been reconciled? He's given us the word, the powerful word of reconciliation. And the question is, will we receive that trust? That's a question we need to ask ourselves every single day. Am I, am I receiving? Am I acting on this trust I've been given? My encouragement to you is, as you go through the rest of this missions conference, would you receive that trust? Would you take it upon yourself, not to let it be Pastor Monty's thing or Pastor Ken's thing or any of the other staff or deacons or Sunday school teachers, but it's my thing, it's my trust. God has given me the word of reconciliation. I believe it's powerful, and I want to see so-and-so and and whoever you're thinking about right now that needs to come to Christ, I want to see this person reached by the power of the word of God. May the Lord do that in this place through you. And he can, because it's not about you, it's about his word. And we praise the Lord for that. Would you bow with me right now? Father, Help us not to dismiss 
or run past the power of your word. Lord, help us to to take it and use it in all confidence, just like the Apostle Paul did there in Thessalonica. And there is a church there that, that proves it. There are a group of believers that proved your power. Lord, we want to see you do more things right here in this city, our neighborhoods and our workplaces. We admit to you right now, we are very, very powerless to affect that type of change. Oh, how we need you. And so we pray that you would give us that power, that confidence. And Lord, I pray for every believer here that they receive that trust that you've given to them, the word of reconciliation, and act on it. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor. Would you stand with me? Let's sing a hymn for 154. Hymn number 154. And let's just sing the first verse of this song. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. for that emphasis on the power